Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. y'all it's time for rolling dice and taking names in this episode the dust has been blown off a very popular segment chit chat plus the guys review assault of the giants jump drive and moons take it away y'all hello and welcome back to rolling dice and taking names this is episode number 116 dust in the wind i'm tony and this is marty and i'm so excited you have finally picked a kansas song kansas helped mold my music taste that I have today. Well, I like that then, that I picked something that you enjoyed. I would have thought after 116 episodes, there'd be other songs, but did I not use Point of No Return at one time? Somebody will probably go back and double check this and say, yes, we did. So, but I'm old and I forgot if we use Point of No Return, then it's so great to have this as the second time that we've picked a Kansas song because it influenced the musical taste that I have today. When I was a little kid, my uncle had a red transit that was a gorgeous car it had an eight track tape in it and he constantly listened to kansas left overture and kansas point of no return it's from those guys i became a progressive rock fan Uh oh i hear you and eight track that would to the point of no click click return (laughs) (laughs) for those youngins who don't know Eight track, you actually had to switch between four different tracks. Uh, Sometimes the the songs weren't spaced out correctly so that a song would have to switch tracks in the middle of the song. And so you'd hear it fade out. You go click, click as the mechanical device changed to another track and then it would pick up, pick back up. And it always happened on the songs that you liked. Yeah, those are such good old days. I mean, I don't, American Pie, I, there's no way it fed on one track. Because it wasn't an A track. It's just basically a loop of tape. And then when it got to the end of the first track, it jumped down to the second one and to the third and to the fourth or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. It's eight track because it was each track was in stereo. But yeah, it's one continuous loop. Yeah. So there's on on the tape there's four songs uh, basically in parallel with each other, and you just move the magnetic head between the tracks. Most of our listeners probably are the demographics that they remember having those big old honking eight tracks that they had in the album art and all that good stuff. And isn't it amazing that we've come all the way back to albums? Yes, it is. For Christmas, my wife got me. And my wife and son got me a record player because my son won one last year and he loves his. He now buys music on albums, but typically when you do, they come with the digital download also. But he likes to sit in his room at college and basically listen to vinyl now because he said it just has a different sound. And it, it does. It really does. And isn't it Christina from Blue Peg, Pink Peg that she loves her albums as well? I think so. I think she's um, a big album aficionado, which reminds me, next time I come over, if I can find it, I will bring you the Kansas Point of No Return vinyl that I have. Oh, yes, yes. I have. um, They got me Mask. They got your Mask. Mask and Song for America. Or Song for America and the very first Kansas album. The thing about albums is you get to have real art. Mm -hmm. When you download an album off iTunes or something, you don't get to see the art. So the art is a lost art in music. 
the art is on the album cover or the art? Okay. Yes, art on the album okay, cover. Yeah. Because remember, that was a big deal because bands back then would get these big name artists to come and do the art for their albums. And it was it was a major deal. It was a big selling point. Mm-hmm. And then if you open it up like, uh, oh, Paul McCartney's Wings Over America. And it was a it was a freaking plane. You'd open up the whole thing and it was like a plane. I remember my sister pulling that out and it was just like, oh, man, check it out. It's like it had the whole plane cockpit or something, you know, the, the entire fuselage on it. it oh man <laughs> and uh, uh elo's out of the blue yeah out of the blue actually had a a punch out uh ufo or spaceship that you could put together it was like a model mm. and i got that it was hanging from my light fixture in my bedroom we reminisce reminiscing yes this was not in the show notes by the way <laughs> we just kind of went there hey guess what? what i got a really couple i got a couple cool things in the mail this week what'd you get a little, little over a year ago we got to preview the game canopy from level 3b games mm-hmm. and the game canopy is that really nice container for uh being able to hold and transport games it's a flexible product that has a zipper on it so you can hold a big stack of games and when the kickstarter came out i i love the big one but it's like this is almost too big so i ordered the vanguard which is a smaller one it came in this week i got a purple oh, one nice it looks nice it's got a little bag a strap and it holds i, I was trying to figure out how many games it holds now we're going to be reviewing assault of the giants in this episode and that's a pretty decent sized box mm-hmm. it holds that one it can probably hold two with that's probably an oversized box, you can easily probably get three or four normal games in there. Perfect for a game night. So if you back that on Kickstarter, it'll be coming soon, and those will be available. That's Vanguard Bag and then the regular game canopy from Level 3B Games. Oh, such a nice product. But also, Tony, this is something you're going to be interested in. AEG sent us an early copy of The Captain is Dead. I don't know if you've heard of this. This is a game that came out about three years ago, and AEG's picked up and reprinted. It is a co-op sci-fi game that feels very pandemic-ish. There you go. Yeah, you got my attention. So, I, But to be honest, I, I don't remember it. If it's co-op, I should have remembered it, but I don't remember this. Yeah, well, here, here's the deal. You're on a spaceship. The captain has died. And basically, everybody else on board, the janitor, the engineer, are struggling to basically fix their uh, hyperspeed or hyperjump. It's called a jump something to be able to get away from the aliens that are attacking them. Mm-hmm. And mechanically, it works like a lot of co-op games like Pandemic. There's an event deck that at the end of every turn, you draw it and something bad happens. And you have to try to fix those bad things that happen with the goal of trying to fix the jump drive and get away. So uh, there are aliens that will come on board. You have to kill the aliens. There's a bunch of different systems that are set up on the board, like a comms link. If it's running, you can trade skills back and forth in each other. And skills are basically what to use. They're cards that you can use to fix uh, the, uh, the other items on the board. If that breaks, then you can't trade skills anymore. Uh, There are shields. If your shields get to zero, you die. Aliens will attack you. You can go to the weapons room, manufacture a missile, and shoot the missile to kill the ship to keep you from hurting your shields. Uh, It is just a really cool little game that I've now played twice. I'm going to play a solo version, and then I'm going to give it to you to see what you and your family thinks, because I think this is right up your alley. How many does it play? Up to four or any more than four? Seven. Seven? I think it plays up to seven. Now, keep talking for a second, verify that. The original did play up to seven, but I know you can play one up to. So let me see what it is. That means I get to drive over to your house today and go pick it up because tonight we're going over to the friends. And if there's six of us, 
That would be awesome. Sounds easy to play. One to seven. I verified it. One to seven players. So yes, uh, if you want to, you're more than welcome to uh, come over here and uh, get it. I'll be glad to hand it to you because I really think this is right up your alley. It's sci-fi, which you like, and Mm -hmm. it's co-op. Okay. Now, it's funny, great tie-in, because also in this episode, we're going to be doing a five-minute initiative on the new small game from Rio Grande Games, Jump Drive. See, very nice. You went to Jump Drive, Warp Drive. You tied it all in, Tom Lehman. We're going to talk about that, but... I got Donna to play Jump Drive. Yes, yes. Okay, are you going to talk about that now or save it for the review? No, let's just go ahead and talk about it now so we can get the real good parts in Jump Drive. But uh, overall, you know, she loves Roll for the Galaxy. Though when I put Roll for the Galaxy, I brought it out after Jump Drive. She goes, I don't remember this. Then I open it up. (laughs) I open up the box. not remember that's that's a very memorable game with all the dice and the cups oh well i know i open it up i I pull the black bag out and then she goes oh the dice and i'm like yes baby there you go and she's like oh yeah i did she loved jump drive really oh yeah she did she she enjoyed it so much she was ready to go again It, it it clicked with her right away clicked right away and she killed me she had the trendsetters she had multiples, and you know how that escalates. Oh, the game was over in no time. The Galactic Trendsetters? Yeah. yeah. That that was a favorite tile of Travis's when we played Roll for the Galaxy. It looks like it's a, uh, I guess it's a nightclub mm-hmm. in space, the art on it. It looks it looks really cool. So yeah, we're going to be uh, covering that. And also, we're going to be talking about, hey, it's just kind of a space sci-fi thing. We're going to be talking about Moons, the trick-taking game, from our good uh, local designer here, our friend Robert Burke. Yeah, and I went back to the store and bought my copy. <laughs> you did? <laughs> I went back so that we can play it tonight because I've been looking for those good, quick six-player games. So, and Moons can play up to six, and, you know, we'll talk about, you know, what we thought of it. But, you know, I was like, I'm just going to swing into the, the Carolina tabletop, and I'm going to pick up Moons because, you know, it's not out. It, that's the benefit. You know, Robert brought a bunch of copies over to the store, and— you know, Rob put them out for us. And sure enough, he's got like three copies left. And I was like, yeah, look, I just got to get this because the, the aspect of it, you know, when, when we get to it is I think Donna and our friends will enjoy it more because you don't have that take at, you know, take it from someone attitude. It's, it's more of that thing. We'll get into that. But we also played Castles of Burgundy, the card game last night as well. I almost had to call you. Well, why? I couldn't remember how to play it. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was like, I was like, oh my gosh! I'm like, why has this game left me? I'm like, where's Marty? I could not. I was oh. like, oh god, how do I set this up? And I was like, and I can't read the print in the book. Where's my, where's my Ignacy magnifier? And I was like, okay, what's what's the stock? What what's the stockade storage? What estate? What projects? How does this work again? But it only took less than. Two cards being flipped over before it came flooding back to me and Donna. And Donna actually remembered more on how to play this game than I did. I was like, why is this game so unmemorable to me? But once when we got into it, once again, it did not lose any of its shine. Still a very enjoyable game. 
I can't remember. Did you like this more than Castles of Burgundy? Yes, I like this much more than Castles. I lo- I'll enjoy Castles, but Donald likes it more than that, and I also like it more. Even though for such a small little cards, it's hard to read the text. It's a table hog, but I enjoyed that game. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say small little cards that take up the entire table. Mm-hmm. And we had and we were teaching it to some people, and they actually caught on fairly quick. Okay, one more than the other, but you know, it was like, oh, that's how that works, and. Once again, explain rules, Marnie. Oh. Okay, you will only score these if you have three. How many do you need to have in order to score these victory points? Our echo three at the end of the game. All right, let's score our victory points. Well, I scored that. I said, no, you didn't. You didn't have three in the set. Well, you never said that. Oh, good God. <laughs> <laughs> just really? Don't, don't you just, I, I want to bring home flip charts. You know, and just write the key things down sometimes. That's just the way it is. That's not a bad idea. I'm going to park this right here as a reminder (laughs) of these important rules as we're going through the game. Here's the parking lot. (laughs) That's right. Anybody who has meetings, uh, when when something, an idea that you want to discuss later, remember you put it in the parking lot, which is on a tablet somewhere. Oh, that's Uh, funny. Oh, also, this uh, episode, we are excited to resurrect a very popular segment, Chit Chat. Uh, we had had these uh, going on for several months, and we had to postpone them because one of the co-hosts, Rhiannon Lee, has got a very important job down in Florida where she is a high school teacher. Yes, Rhiannon Lee is molding the minds of the kids of the future, and that kind of scares me. But anyway. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she she was just too busy and unable to do it anymore so we went out searching for some new co-hosts and we found one coming in to join suzanne will be mandy hutchinson uh for who you've probably seen on the the dice tower uh, doing various videos uh with them uh will be joining us for a new chit chat segment today that we're very excited about she is so sweet. Uh, this this is fun. I cannot wait to get back to this. We said, Suzanne, give us some names. We've got names. What do you think? And she goes, you know, uh, Mandy and I have got such a repertoire, or however you say that word. Um, and A rapport? Rapport. That's it. That's the word I'm looking not. F- yes, that is definitely the word I'm looking for. And she says, let's give this a try. And we said, of course. <laughs> you, uh, you were trying to say repertoire. Sure I was. Can we just say a <laughs> Oh my heavens! Like, what word is he coming up with? It's, I know he's wanting to get to rapport, but what was this other word? It's yeah. repertoire. Rep- repertoire. 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 Nice. I'm. I was doing a Chaz Marler and making a word up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> has, has his contest closed? I don't know. You don't know because I didn't get notification if I won. Then it's probably closed because we were probably not eligible to win. Well, uh, under the false name I put in, I thought maybe I might stand a chance. Oh, that's true. That's a good yeah, point. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Um, so Chit Chat's coming back. Then, of course, like we mentioned, we've got Assault of the Giants to review this time. But we need to talk about a Kickstarter that is, once again, it's, it's oh, man, it's almost Simon worthy Almost Simon worthy you know, and no, it's not Gloomhaven. Every one of you were thinking Gloomhaven, and yes, yes, Marty, I'm, I'm really, oh, I'm saving my pennies. I need to sell a game, and yes, I will probably back Gloomhaven. We were late to the, you know, late to the party on this one, but they've upgraded a lot of components in Gloomhaven for only ninety nine dollars. You get all the the cool stuff. But enough about Gloomhaven. What a Kickstarter you're talking about? None other than 
our good buddies over at The Secret Cabal. The Secret Cabal Gaming Podcast! That's my Jamie impression. Is that your Jamie? You yeah, I've already tried it, and I think he sent a, me a cease and desist order. Yeah, he said, never do that again. <laughs> Is he having a stroke? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm not having a stroke. I'm trying not to be you. He says, well, stop it. It's ugly. Oh, that's uh, funny. So I can't wait. I hope I get him in the match of destiny that we got getting ready to start up here so that I can just sit there and mock him all day as he whips my tail from that. And But, hey, they've met their stretch goals. Congratulations to Jamie. Couldn't happen to a nicer bunch of guys. Steve and the money jokes. I just like the page for the money jokes. Your money, money talks. It needs to be talking to us or whatever he says. That's just great. <laughs> and what's funny is a little bit behind the scenes. Jamie told me that like the day before they launched the Kickstarter, he just kind of hit up Steve and said, "Look, I just need three jokes to put on the Kickstarter page." And and he said uh, Steve came up with those in just a matter of minutes. So the the guy's got a great wit. Those. Guys have pretty much set the bar for board gaming podcasts when it comes to entertainment. For sure, the length. Mm-hmm. They deserve it. I'm so glad to see so much support uh, coming out for that show. Uh, Rising Tide raise, uh, raises all boats. They have trailblazed a path for uh, the rest of us to come in. And I was going to say Rising Tides. We've already talked about Rising Tides. What? Oh, but I'm with you now. Okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that's saying, right? Rising tides raises all boats. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so congrats to them. If you have not checked it out, please go out to Kickstarter and look up the Kickstarter for the Secret Cabal. They got some really cool stuff coming up with the alternate reality game. So unique. Nobody else is doing that. I'm so glad to see them doing that along with a few promos. It's not just a promo thing for them. They're doing a lot of other really cool stuff. And I think that's what makes it unique and people want to back it. So you, the guys are great. They deserve it. Congrats. Yeah, and this having dinner with you and Rodney and Matt, I'm just like that sold out so quick. I'm like, what were these people thinking? It wasn't with me. It was it was for the other guys. I just happened to be riding along when Jamie said, "Hey, would you like to come to a meal?" Well, of course I would. And he said, "Well, that's kind of part of a Kickstarter thing." I was like, "Well, that's not going to get you anybody to back with me being there, but you guys and the others for sure will." And that's at Gen Con this year. That is at Gen Con this year. I believe it's right before their big Secret Cabal meetup. And if you're going to Gen Con, you've got to go check this out. And I believe, hopefully, hopefully, Tony, I'm knocking on wood over here. Listen, mm-hmm. that's actual wood. You'll work it out to be able to go, and you'll get to go this year, which would be a lot of fun. We are we are at 75% sure on being at Gen Con. Everything is aligning right. So I just hope that when y'all go to dinner, I'll be at the table a couple of tables away, just, you know, being that kind of guy that's sitting there watching y'all. Same. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> and then when you go, y'all laugh, I'm going to do an obnoxious laugh in the background because me and my pals, you know, we'll just have our own little table and try to, you know, do that party, you know, where we got didn't get it included. But that's okay. I'm I'm not I'm not jealous. I know that I am. I'm happy for Jamie. I, oh, and the um, RPG segments he's doing. Brian Bender. I'm, the guy is the stats. Me and Brian hit it off at Origins, and we were talk. We were talking military strategy, and I hate I'm going to miss Origins because I'll be at the one before that Rocky Mountain because I was really looking forward to playing a war game with Brian. Brian Brenner's a hoot, and the RPG show is great. So anyway, I'm sorry I cut you off. No, but that's that's it. We're done. I'm I'm taking the lessons so that we can get our Adventures in Middle Earth started up this month, and we'll be ready to go with that because Lore Masters coming out soon. So we we need to kick this off. 
We got to get the RPG. I am jonesing to play an RPG. I was actually watching uh, some of a, a D&D show last night that the Nerdist does. Do you know Joe Maganello? Of course not. Okay. Big time actor that doesn't look like he would be a D&D player and loves D&D. He's married to Sophia, Sophia Vigera. Vigera, uh, do you know her from uh, Modern Family? Yes, I do know Sophia from the Rooms to Go commercials. Yes. Yeah, that's her. It's her husband. Oh, so anyway. Yeah, okay, that still rings no clue to me. Still okay. rings no bells. Okay, no bells. so anyway, yeah, and I know you wouldn't watch any of the shows he was in. Anyway, he's a big D&D player. I was watching last night, and it just made me want to play an RPG, so I can't wait. Well, that's insulting. Try me. Pick a show he's been in. Maybe I have. The vampire show no. that he was in. No. 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 Okay, so okay. Uh, Devil Wears Prada was on the other day, and I turned it on. And guess what scene it was? I don't know. I never watched it. You never watched it to see Rich in it? Rich Summer, it's the whole thing where he's talking about cosmetics and all. But anyway, can we get to over to some reviews? Oh my gosh, yes. We have just drugged this on long enough. Let's jump over to our first five-minute initiative. Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. All right, first on the five-minute initiative is Jump Drive by Rio Grande Games, uh, designed by Tom Lehman, who I really want to get on our show sometime, Marty. I really hope I can find some way to get up with him and he hasn't blocked us or anything. But, okay, Jump Drive, people. It's real simple. I don't know if you can expect this from this type of game. The game winner is someone who has collected the most victory points. Imagine that, Marty. Can you believe that then? Shocking. Shocking. I'm surprised that's still even a game winning condition anymore. Right. So in Jump Drive, without going too deep into the explanations, all it is, you don't, you got cards that you're playing and on your turn, you are given the option to play either one development card, one world, or both a development and a world. And then at the end of your, after everybody puts down the same card at the same, or not the same card, puts down a card. Okay. And then they, Mm -hmm. They will basically flip it over. They pay the cost. And then you score the victory points off of all your cards in your empire or as tableau. And then your income, which is based on cards, cards are your income. You then collect cards for the next round. And that's really how the game progresses. Now, for me, I was like, okay, do I have to learn a bunch of iconography? They've really dummied down the iconography in this. And I, and I can appreciate that. I mean, you basically have the military icons, you have the chromosomes, and um, from that, that's really it. So what did you think of the game, though, Marty? Well, this is a game that uh, resides in the Race for the Galaxy universe. Mm-hmm. So there's Race for the Galaxy, which is probably a little bit, takes a little bit longer, a little higher end. They came out with Roll for the Galaxy, which is a little bit quicker version of Race. And this is one that's even quicker for Roll. So the universe was very familiar to me. Having played the other games, it felt very familiar with the, with the, the cards and everything. The thing is, though, like I've said, for Roll for the Galaxy, it does kind of feel like multiplayer solitaire. Uh, yeah, basically, yeah. you're going to you. Everybody simultaneously selects their cards. They simultaneously flip over their cards, pay, and then once everybody is paid, you all simultaneously collect your victory points and draw cards for the next round, and simultaneously discard down to ten cards. So all that's kind of happening at the same time. So you really can't keep up with maybe what other people are doing, and there's not a ton of player interaction between it. So. Uh, it's not any more interactive than the other games, but definitely if you've played the other, it definitely has the feel of that. And if you haven't, this is a quick, 
engine building game that, like you said, Tony, you introduced in the first segment that even new players can pick up on and enjoy. Right. And, and as you were saying, if the engine, though, the engine is chugging along, it's trying to gain momentum. The warp drive is trying to come online. And the people I was teaching it to the other night, they were, I was like, you know, normally after the sixth card, this game ends. And they're like, there's no way we made it to the seventh card. And sure enough, bam. It was over. This thing suddenly goes from a chug to this warp drive engine. You are flying through at light speed and the game is over. So you really don't have a lot of time to keep working on an engine. You got to make some quick decisions as to, do I want to try to pursue the military options or do I want to try to go with various worlds? Because the cards all have various ways to score the victory points. Then you talked about the the engine and how it ramps up. is because the cards that you play stay out the table the entire game. So you always score them every hand. And you always draw cards of your hand. So by the end, you may be drawing six, seven, maybe up to 10, 12 cards. There is a little bit of AP in this game because at that point, you have to discard down to 10 cards. So everybody's rummaging through a card of a hand of like 15 cards, trying to decide what to keep, what they want to build next turn, what engine do they want to try to develop with the cards they got. So actually, the longest downtime is probably that point where you're actually discarding your cards overall. I'm glad I got this game on the shelf. I'm glad I enjoyed it. I'm, I was really surprised, but very pleased that Donna enjoyed playing it. Cause I mean, I was just like, wow, this, this is a great filler. This is an incredible filler. And that is probably one that I would pull out more than some of my other filler games. Maybe not so much over Fuji flush, but I enjoy it. Are, uh, are you thinking about getting it or will you be borrowing it? I will probably say I will borrow it because if we want the taste of the uh, race for the galaxy here, People probably like Roll for the Galaxy a little bit more, but I definitely see that this is a, a great game to introduce this world to. And if you want a little bit of flavor of that world in a very short time span, this is definitely the game for you. Five minute initiative is complete. Portal Games. We all are waiting on their behemoth to hit. That's right, First Martian. But while we wait, we need to go back and check out their site for some of their other great games that are in their catalog. Don't forget about 51st State Master Set, one of our favorite engine builders over here at Rolling Dice and Taking Names. And then, of course, Aztecs, the expansion for Imperial Settlers has just come out. Well worth your time. Maybe get that game back out. It's got some dust on it. And as you'll hear later, it's not good to have dust on a board game. So be sure to check out portalgames.pl and all their back catalog. Marty, we were so blessed to receive from WizKids their new Dungeons & Dragons Assault of the Giants game. Now, Marty, you're a D&D guy, right? You're more of a D&D guy than I am. I, I don't know if I'm a D&D guy. I love that universe. I don't know a lot about it. But yes, I was very excited to uh, see this game because this game takes place in uh, the Forbidden Realms, which is one of the more popular D&D settings. And here's a large map, which is basically the game is a type of area control uh, map. 
but you're going to be very familiar with a lot of the locations in the map. You play D&D, you're going to see Neverwinter. You're going to see Waterdeep and other locations that are sure very familiar to people, but maybe not to us. First, I'm going to do a con. Right off the bat. There is no the in front of Waterdeep because it is Assault of <laughs> the Giants. Everybody beats me up for this. You know, back in the day when we were first starting, I constantly made a boo-boo and said, Lords of the Waterdeep. Well, the Waterdeep should be now ingrained. It should be there. I'm writing it on the board. I don't care what anybody says. The article is correct. It's the Giants. Waterdeep is a place. Oh, fine. In 2016, this giant story for D&D came out. And it was one of the more popular ones. And it was all about how the Giants were coming down and the smoke had to go out and defeat them. It is so neat that Andrew Parks, designer of this, was able to take just that small segment of the Giants coming out and develop a game from it. I'm going to say that, you know, when I first opened this game up, Marty, and we were going through it and the rule book was there, we had to turn to Nate because we were scared. We were like, Nate, you've played, you teach these games well, (laughs) so come teach us again. But after you started going through that, I was like, you know what, Marty? This game is simple. It's absolutely simple. I mean, all you got to do is either claim an event on the start of your turn or you play a card like Concordia. And now you've played Concordia, right? I've never played it. Uh, yes, I really love Concordia, and that's the uh, mechanic that I really appreciated uh, about this game. Once I saw that was kind of the Concordia mechanic, the rules actually were really straightforward at the time. I do give credit. I think the, the rule book is, is pretty well done because the idea is that on your turn, you're going to play a card. And... You have a hand of cards. Everybody has got the exact same cards except for two based on the faction you play, which is one of the things that makes this game unique. Every giant faction is different. The goal of the game is to try to gain ordning points. And I thought, okay, there's a word. I do not know what that means. And I thought I was just dumb. Well, if I was really more into the D&D universe, I know because ordning is like a class of giants. And in this game, there are higher level giants and lower level giants. And you are trying to raise your ordning level among the class of giants. And the giants actually have different classes when the game comes out. Because, Tony, you played a high level giants. Your guys were expensive. Uh, they were hard to get on the table. Where I played the lowest giants, the hill giants, were almost like zergs. They're easy to come out on the table, but they're very squishy. Yeah, uh, storm giants. By the way, people, before you send us a bunch of emails about it, that was Storm King. Uh, series from D&D. I looked it up. I had it in the notes. I just couldn't remember. Off. But anyway, yes, I played those guys. And wow, playing those cards. I mean, I was like, how hard can this be? It's Because um, I, I never played Concordia. And I was like, all right, this is, this is simple for me. I mean, one of the main cards is move. You play down the move card and you move your guys. You move your giants on the board. Now, of course, when you move, you can't move into somewhere someone already is. You can't, I can't go settle my giants in your area. I've got to either, I got to be adjacent to you. Now I can move through your area and I'll take a little hit because y'all slapped me on the back of the head from that standpoint, because I've kind of interrupted your sleep or whatever. But either way, I mean, the move principle is neat. And now Marty, on the bottom of the cards, after you play the main action of the card, this is what I found really cool. And I, I don't know, see, like I said, I didn't play Concordia, but the fact that if there is an arrow that's pointing back to the left, you get additional bonuses for those cards that are that you played before it. 
but if there's a card like what was it the leader card was that it that if you if you if it has an arrow pointing to the right see even i could follow this then it's ongoing as you play cards forward. Like the leader card has certain battle in, uh, capabilities, and those would always apply. Like if you rolled something on the dice, then you could shift the dice around to a certain side. So that was a really neat mechanic. In the move, I was like, okay, I, I get this. So I hope the rest of the cards are that easy. Now, was the battle card as simple to do? Because the battle, you know, once again, battle is very complicated in some games. No, this is the attack card was pretty straightforward. When you play the attack, basically you can just say, I'm going to attack uh, a faction that's in a region adjacent to the region that I exist. So you actually don't move into the region. You're just going to reach across and say, I'm going to attack them. And when what you do is you assemble all your guys that you want to attack. Uh, all the units are basically represented by discs except for the uh, uh champion which is represented by the large miniatures and probably everybody's seen the large miniatures of these games those are actually the champions that can help move around the board but you assemble your giants you have elite units and regular units and each of those have a number that you're going to pick up a number of dice and you're going to roll them you can have up to seven dice and, and play there's general dice and then a faction specific die that's every time that you roll you're going to roll that spa- faction specific die you're going to gather those up and you're going to roll and you're going to resolve though there are a, a hit symbols there are shield symbols and magic symbols and tony the magic symbol is pretty important because there's a magic card that can be played at some point during your turn that has an arrow that points to the right and that's important during battles because the bottom of that card says for every card to the right you can convert a magic symbol in battle to a shield to help block damage the top part of the card is just basically draw a spell spells are cards that can be used anytime during the game and sometimes they can be actually used to enhance the battle so you're going to count up all the damage you're going to do you're going to count up the shields that you have the defender does the exact same thing at the end you assign all the damage uh, that it was not blocked by shields to your giants if they take any damage doesn't kill them they're considered wounded and you flip the tile over if the tile is flipped over and they take any wounds they're off the board but this game is about fighting tony because as you fight and you defeat those units you're going to get ordering points and that's somewhat the goal of the game it is not somewhat the goal of the game. It is the goal of the game. You've got to score the most in order to win. Another novel idea. The attack card also has at the bottom of it an arrow that points to the left where you can convert magic <clears throat> to damage. So the magic card, the earlier you play it in the round, the better because you can convert to shields. The attack card, the later you play in the round is better because you can convert those to actual attacks. So the order that you play the cards as you put them down on the table is extremely important. It is. And now, and there's a couple other cards. You know, Marty just mentioned the magic. There's a card where you play magic that allows you to go look into the magic cards to put in your, that you can have in your hand. There's also a resource card that you, or a command card that you'll play that'll allow you to pull from the resource deck or go from the discard pile. And then there's, of course, the recruit card that allows you to put more giants on the field. And there are stacking limits based on the number of giants. Now, I want to go back to the resource cards, which will take us all the way back to what I mentioned at the beginning, and that is the event card. The resource cards have runes in them. And sometimes in order to capture a rune, then, I mean, to capture an event, you've got to have a certain rune in place. But also events have other reactions. You either, you have to be in the area and you have to have certain condition to met and you have to be able to get rid of a rune or something else or whatever. Events are another way that you have to get your ordering points 
in order to win this game. Makes me think of another question I had for you, Marty, about the figures. And before I forget it, I'm going to ask you, wasn't there something about the leaders and the champions? Some were models and some... That kind of was confusing to me. That was that's one of the confusing things. Yeah, it it was kind of confusing. You would think that the big models on the board are actually your leaders, but it's not. The leaders are actually a card that's on the table, and there's a, a, a token that represents it, and they can't die. Mm. The champions and other giants can die, but the large dudes on the board are actually your champions, uh, not your leaders, which could be uh, somewhat confusing. You mentioned the resource cards; they can include other things. Uh, there are there's food in there. Uh, there is also weapons that you can use during battle to enhance your strength. Uh, in addition, there's also horns. And the magic cards are also split up into two sections, a top half and a bottom half. And you may have to spend a horn resource to activate the card also. So the resources are very important. But Tony, that's not the only way to get resources. You know, there's a trade card where I could uh, put down a card and I can look at, uh, say, I can look over at you and say, hey, I see that you got three cards over there. I really like those three cards better than these three cards I got. I'm going to trade you three cards. If I give you three, you have to give me three back. But you could negotiate beforehand and say, Tony, I don't want to take everything from you, but I really want that one rune. How about if I give you this one card for that? If you say yes, cool. If you say no, it's like, well, fine. Then I'm just going to give you three cards and you have to give me those three back. So yet another way to gain resources is through the trade mechanic. Okay, so you've played all your cards. And one that is really important is after you've played all your cards, how are you going to get them back into your hand? It's the dreaded rest card. That's right. Most of these games, you know, oh, I'm resting. Therefore, I pick up my card, my turn is done. No, 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 no. Not in this game. Not in Assault of the Giants. When you play that rest card, and this is one of the other neat things I really like about this game is you can bring out the Giants Slayers. Hook, line, and sinker. Those three guys can now come onto the board because based on the number of cards to the left of the rest card is action points that you can spend to activate hook, line, and sinker. Two to raz them onto the board, one to move them, or one to attack or harass giants. So if you want to go over there and I want to pick on Marty's little Zergy Hill giants, all I can do is I can bring out hook and I can say, hook, go over. You're going to land in this area and you're going to go attack Marty's giants. Now they're not the most powerful because they're little squishy guys, but guess what? They're enough to possibly do damage enough that you can harass or really mess up someone's plans. Or you can bring all the guys in there if you have enough of them. And that's kind of a neat aspect. And if they're out on the board, then someone else who plays rest can then move them and harass you. So there's a lot of strategy as to when you play that rest card. But that's one of the neatest. I, I really like that about the rest card, Marty. That, I totally agree. So all the cards we've just mentioned, everybody has one of those, but there are two special cards based on your factions. There is a command card or leader card uh, that is specific to your leader, That and each faction has a special ability for their leader, but there's also a special command card uh, that can be played that makes your f- faction unique too. So that's one of the pluses to this game for me, Tony, is the fact that it's somewhat asymmetric. After I finish this game, I immediately want to play again and try a different faction, see how it plays. It's also one of those games, too, that the more you play, the better that you'll get because you see how the other factions uh, work. So that's it. We've covered all the cards. You basically can claim an event, and there are two types of events. There's a general event that everybody can claim, but there's also faction-specific events, Mm -hmm. which also makes those factions unique, that you can complete an event that's specific for your faction. Between those two events, giving you points, 
and beating up other giants getting points, you try to deplete all the uh, set-aside, pre-allocated ordering points at the beginning of the game. Once all those points are gone, you're going to go around one more time, score as many points as you can from the uh, from the pool that's, that's that was not part of the uh, exhaustible pile, count up the points after that, person with the most points wins. I know. And then it's just like, hey, wait a minute. I, I still need to do this. I need to do this. Oh, you can't. Oh, you. Oh, and you tricked me. You tricked me in our game. And oh, how did I trick you? I was at the end. I had my one last turn and I needed, I had my attack card and I needed some points. I knew I wasn't doing well. I did not do well in this game. And when we get to our final thoughts on this, I'll say what one of the things I would like about this game. But you said, why don't you go and attack over here? And that's the way you can get the most points. I'm like, no, I don't think I should do that. I think I should go over here. And then I look at Nate and Nate says, yeah, I think he, Marty's right. And I look at Mark and I go, Mark, what do you think? I'm stupid. I should not be asking what y'all think. I should go with what my gut. I'm like, well, if I attack over here and I'm victorious, then I get more points than everybody. Then I'll get more points. I have a better chance of points. But if I go over here, I'll get less points. What I didn't think about, and you tricked me on, sir, it was your fault, was the fact that if you get more dice to roll, you built up your defense. And of all the times for you to roll well, oh, you rolled well, you had all these defense, and I got Buckus, I got no points for that attack. I was like, oh, this stinks. I'm really going to come in last place. And you did. And I did. But but that's one of the things I liked about this game. It's one of the signs of a game that I enjoy is when I walk away from the game. Fine, I lost. I lose a lot of games. I'm used to that. That's the I don't mind that. It's the fact that I, when I left that game, I was like, you know, if I had done this or if I had done this, I would have played this better. And that's what I like about it. And it makes me, when you think about what you did, that's a good, instead of just shutting it out of your mind. And then the fact that I want to play all the other ones. Oh, that's, that to me is a good sign of this game. One thing that worried me is when you get to combat mechanics that uses dice, I feel, oh, it's all going to be luck based. But between the resources that you can play during your turn, the weapons and and the way you lay out your cards and being able to convert magic icons on the dice into attacks or shields and the way that you can play magic cards from your hand to change the battles i felt like there was enough mitigation to make up for bad luck from dice rolls so i never felt that bother me i really like the fact that lots of times when you get resources in games nobody really knows what you have in this game they're all open on the table so you can see exactly what people have you can see that if there's an event on the table and that person has the right rune to be able to get it you may go attack them and keep them from getting it or you may force them to do a trade with you to give up that resource again another part of the game that just really kind of stands out that's kind of small that really stuck out to me now just a a couple cons i think the board was too small you got these big giant tokens you've got these big giants themselves the models and i felt like some of the regions are too small to hold everything the game moves a lot quicker than what you think it will Mm -hmm, and according mm -hmm. you're constantly refreshing your deck you play all your cards you pick up play all your cards you pick up in this game tony i think everybody played rest at the most at the most three times and i think i only played it twice so the game doesn't have even though it's all about attacking you only probably play your attack card two and maybe three times because the events probably along with the attacking is where you're going to do your best point retrieval also the events themselves can be a little bit lucky There may be a time where, say, Tony happens to be standing in a region and somebody else uh, over here completed an event. When that happens, a new event pops out. It could have been 
an event that happens to be where Tony is standing. And if Tony happens to have the right rune for that event on his turn, he just says, cool, I complete that event and gain a lot of points. That part felt a little bit lucky to me. And there are also some potential balance issues, but Tony, thanks to what you found, I think they have found a fix for some of those. Yeah. Andrew posted out on BGG. He said, okay, I understand there's some balance issues. When you set up, do your initial startup or setup, be sure to add an elite to the storm giants and add two to the hill giants. And that should help and let us know what you think. And I think just the fact that Andrew is monitoring the forums for assault is really top notch and they're looking for solutions. And I'm with you, Marty, the event thing, the luck of that. eh, Okay, fine. I, I can almost accept the luck of it, but you know, so what? It, it does make you think, okay, I've got to be in position to where I can get there. But I do like, and this is a little thing, I know. I like the fact that there are tokens on the board showing where you the, the events are going, where they're happening. I also like the fact that the NPC, the giants that are not in play, this can play up to six players. And if you don't, you have to put them all on the board. And whatever you're missing in the number of players, those become NPC giants where they don't actually move, but they still get in your way. You still can't, like if a vent claims up in the giant not being played, then you have to go battle those giants and clean them out and get half the amount of points that you need to go get that event. I like that. Now, one thing I didn't like is the fact that you have to play with set giants at the beginning. I hope that they'll be able to get to the point where you, any, you can pick any faction you want, any clan of the giants and be able to start with that. They figure something out. If not, so what? I still like this game. I would always look to uh, enjoy playing this game. If we say, you know what, because what's a good six player game? I would definitely, this would be one of the first ones I'm going to try to break out and say, hey, Marty, let's get a solid the Giants just because of the speed of the game and the ease of teach. Yeah, now that's true. Now, six player, probably a little bit too much for me. I think it's around, they say, 20, 25 minutes per player. Uh, Nate played before with six and he said it ran really, really long. So I think probably the sweet spot is four or so. But like you said, when you play that, there are just giant factions you will never, ever see unless you play the max count. So that is kind of limiting factor for me. This is game. It's going to stay on my, okay, it's going to stay on your shelf because we only got one copy, but I think I would keep it on my shelf because number one, I love the card play that's like in Concordia. I like the fact that the combat doesn't feel too lucky for me and the theme is really there. It's spot on. Well done. This is for me. Going to keep it on the shelf. Tony, is it going to stay on your shelf or are you going to let me have it? Well, it's going to stay over at your house because your boys are into the D&D world. And because I don't think it's something Donna or the other play group would enjoy as much because of the attacking. So you can have it. But if if I could ever, you know, if they ever got into that, yes, it would be a game on my shelf. Now, I will say this for those out there. There are two versions out there. There's the non-painted and the painted version. I've seen the painted version on BGG on some of the pictures, gorgeous looking stuff. But for me, I don't need my stuff painted for the difference in cost. The models are detailed enough. You know what they are. So I highly recommend that you just kind of, unless you really want to spend the extra money for it, I just get the regular set and kudos, kudos for Andrew sitting out there and saying, okay, we need to do this and that. And I'm kind of looking forward to, Maybe they'll get new event decks. Let's see where the expansion is. But yes, on my shelf. So that is Assault of the Giants from WizKids Games, who has the D&D license and is going to bring out some more board games in that universe. I can't wait to see what they do. If it's as good as this one, I'll be eagerly ready to check out anything they come out with. (laughs) 
Marty, it has been rezzed from the dead. I am so excited this is back. I can't believe it. We did it. We got everybody back together. Or everybody. We added one. I know. It's incredible. Matter of fact, a lady who needs no introduction has joined the Chit Chat crew. But I guess maybe we should introduce her. Well, yeah. And we probably should introduce the other one, too. Well, shit, that one definitely needs no introduction. I mean, my <laughs> God, at 20K tweets a day, that's all I got to say. Everybody knows. <laughs> Suzanne Sheldon, welcome back to Chit Chat. How are you doing? I am doing wonderfully this to this fine morning and day. And it's so great to be back with you guys. I've I've missed this a lot. So thank you for having me back. We've missed you as well. We are so excited. We're ready to get back to this and discuss those hard topics that occur in gaming. But joining us also is Mandy Hutchison. Now, guys, if you don't know who Mandy is, then you haven't watched these incredible videos she puts together to die for games. Mandy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I'm so happy to be here. So excited. Yeah, Mandy's starting to pop up all over the place. She's on the Dice Tower. They do a segment on some Dice Tower videos and looking at the... Wait a minute. Looking at your bio... It says you're from Canada? Yes. We've already met our quota for having Canadians on the show this year, Tony. Uh-oh. I know. That's okay. That's <laughs> a, okay. I, I, do have, I do have a question, though, Mandy. Can you expand Board Game Pinup Girl? Where did that come from? Talk to me. So I get asked this all the time. People are like, that is like the weirdest name or is the coolest I think it's name. awesome. So everybody who knows me knows I like makeup, fashion, and I used to do a lot of like pinup modeling. But I'm a total nerd and I love board games. So I'm trying to marry the two together. Well, then you and Tony have a lot in common. He used to be a pinup model, too. That's right. <laughs> I want to see this. I want evidence. <laughs> it, do you know those before and after photos of people on like Nutrisystem and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm the before. <gasps> okay. <laughs> and then they just Photoshop a face and on top oh, of it. No. <laughs> oh, no. Your claim to fame. I think it's pretty good. So here we go. Here's today's topic. Imagine you're out getting ready to go out and buy a game and you look it over at your gaming shelf. And here's the thing. Everybody who's listening to this, I'm sure has been through this. And if not, you will be going through this. I want to go buy a game. I'm looking at my shelving unit. There is no space on that unit. You have one of three options. You either buy more space or you get rid of a game or you don't buy the game. So let's take out option number three because you're buying the game. Amen. Exactly. Let's remove option number one because nobody wants to take their Saturday and go uh, spend an entire day in the maze, the eternal maze of an Ikea. So now we're down to getting rid of a game, but you're looking over your collection and you're going, which one of these do I want to get rid of to make room for that new game? And everybody's going to talk about day, their criteria or what they what steps they go through to decide what game they're going to get rid of and why. Being the Southern gentleman that we are, we will always start with the ladies, and we'll actually go to our newest guest first, and that's Mandy. So Mandy, here's your situation. You're looking at your gaming storage unit, and you got to get rid of one. How are you going to decide? Units, but yes, <laughs> they're spread out. I actually am going through this right now. So I wanted to buy Mansions of Madness, for example. So I got rid of Fury of Dracula. So let me talk about that. I look at a game. If I have to blow the dust off of the game, it's time to vacate the shelf. So I know it's a great game, but if it's not hitting the table, it has to go. Because I'm going to bring something else in that people are going to play. 
So that's the big one for me. Um, I've also had games that were like filler games at the beginning. They were ones that I played when I was, you know, just getting into uh, board gaming. So those are kind of games that kind of go, somebody else can benefit from that. Let me bring in something else. So basically something that's going to capture interest. My brain, the ADHD brain is all over the place. So I tend not to keep games for a really long time. Really? You don't squirrel them away? No, I can't. It actually gives me anxiety. And like if they have the plastic on, I like feel the need to remove the plastic even though i know i'm probably not gonna play it so you're not a hoarder then i don't think so (laughs) so this is actually pretty easy for you so that you're a lot different than other people i know it's like i can't get rid of that what happens if i want to blow the dust off that game and actually want to play it but you're like eh, get rid of it it's gone i treat it like clothes six months it's out of here (laughs) six months tony i'm still wearing stuff from the 90s (laughs) yeah we we know marty we know (laughs) (laughs) wow But what what I'm impressed by the fact is that, you know, she she goes out there and she's cleaning out for dust. Dust wouldn't matter to me. I mean, my gosh, if that was the case, my house would be empty (laughs) of everything. That is just wild. Six months. I would not have expected that. Really? Yeah, but, you know, to be fair, guys, Mandy, bless you. I adore you, sweetheart. But um, Mandy's also the one that when we were at Gamma together, we were talking about her Canadianness, And she she was kind of telling me how proud she was that, that she had metered some of those Canadian tendencies out of herself and that she didn't say A a lot. <laughs> and I was standing next to her hearing her say this thinking, mm, girl – <laughs> I hate to break it to you. So six months blowing the dust off in and out. I, I, it's not that I don't believe you, sweetheart. It's just that <laughs> oh, I'm sure that there's probably some softness on the ends of that spectrum because, girl, you say A all the time. I, well, to be fair, I, I totally think you're making that up. But on this other hand, <laughs> I gave up Fury of Dracula. Seriously. Like, that's fair a game enough, that people point. are like, what are you doing? Like, you could have sold that for crazy amounts of money. No, 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 no. I totally, I'm telling the truth. I fair hope. point. <laughs> Wait, did you give it away or did you sell okay, it? No, I sold it because I needed to buy Mansions of Madness. So I sold that at another game. So your only criteria is I haven't played it. I haven't played it. It's maybe a game that I overplayed and now I'm kind of over it. So those would be the main ones. Literally, I'm easy to please. So even if it's a classic, something you know, if it sits there, and I'll just throw something out. Yeah. Catan. If it's got dust on it, it's gone, even though it's a great entry level. I Because you, you've got something else to replace it. I sold you it. Got, okay. Uh, it just... I respect that. <laughs> Maybe because I work with military, like, make those hard decisions. I'm going to say that you're probably a rare breed when it comes to gamers. Just from the ones I run across, <laughs> they really struggle with getting rid of games. There are certain ones. I, I gotta admit, there are certain ones I kind of look at. And I'm like, it hurts the heart a little bit, but I know eventually if I don't play them, they're gonna have to go. Wow, that's <laughs> strong. That is so strong. I love how we're all just in awe of this <laughs> this mentality. We're stunned. We're like, we don't even know how to absorb this reality. I feel so mean. It's like my children get out. I'm going to feel bad when we go through my list of criterias for this to occur. And I think Tony said he had a flow chart. So this is going to be really well, interesting. I had two, two things. <laughs> All right. Well, Suzanne, is, is yours just like is this, is Mandy's? I haven't oh, played that's it, so hilarious. There's no way. I don't think but so. We can go ahead and answer that now. Hey, now. Hey, now. No, I... um. 
Mm-hmm. Do not follow the Mandy school of thought <laughs> when it comes to six months and dust. I'm more in the Tony everything has dust camp of board games. So I put a lot of thought into this because I also, um, I also, wait a minute, you did? Oh, what? Yeah. Oh, now we appreciate that because well, usually when you come on here, you don't put a lot of thought into what? it. What? <laughs> no. Five minutes before it does not count. I typed up some notes in one note and, you know, kind of created some bulleted lists and things like that. And, and, Really finally settled because I did have to call recently because I'm at like 650 games and I think that that's a bit much and and I have a very large space for board game storage and I am running out of room. So it was important that I, I got rid of some stuff. And one thing that I've really worked on actually is getting rid of my completionist tendencies. And I personally see a lot of this in board gaming where, you know, you've got to have every promo or you've got to have every game by a favorite designer. And that just can really, the reality is that can really clog up your space. So one of the things I've been working on is getting rid of that. So for example, I, I had to have like every Steffenfeld game and I've released that because, and, and I did that by, I traded away Luna recently because <gasps> I don't enjoy oh, whoa, playing whoa, whoa. Luna. Whoa. I'm a Steffenfeld fan. So that just hurt me right there. What? See, see. I get it. And I like, like Strasburg and Burgundy. Like, I love them, but, um, I I have to clear space and I don't like Luna. It's a punishing game. It's seven rounds. And if you mess up once, you can lose two rounds to that mess up, whatever. It's just too unforgiving for me. So I got rid of it because I realized I I can't be a completionist. So trying to just emotionally release some of that was a big deal for me. And that has helped. I've been clearing that out. And then, you know, I've also been thinking about myself in context of who I play with. And I do have multiple play groups, which makes things a little more complicated for me. Some people I think have core groups and, and I don't quite have that. For example, Rising Sun, this little Kickstarter that's happened recently where, you know, blowing records and Eric Lang and billions, kajillions of dollars. I realized that I know at least 30 people backing this game. I personally know at least 30 people backing this game. Do I really, really need to own it myself? And and this isn't necessarily calling, but that's kind of my mindset. If I know a bunch of people who have it, and these are the people I would end up playing this game with, then maybe I don't need to own my own personal copy, especially like with some of my heavier euros and things like that. There's a pretty small group of people I can actually sit down and play those with. If those people own that game, I got to get rid of my copy just to clear some space for other things that um, might be more unique in in the, in the collective collection. Okay, so cool. You got a Marty too. The guy's going to back everything that you know he's going to get the game, so you don't have to. See, yeah, see, I'm, see, I'm with you. I'm feeling about you. Throwing these a- accusations around because I suspect <laughs> I might be my group's Marty. So watch wow. it now. <laughs> yeah, because it's like Tony. Tony always hits me up. It's like, uh, are you backing this? Yeah. Okay, then I'm not. <laughs> Why should I? But it's never, it never goes the other way. He never backs stuff. I did. So I, I, hit the, I hit the back too too soon. <laughs> I, I backed Mass Mora, and it's still sitting that's, on my shelf. Okay, sh- that's true. It, I got Mass Mora sitting over there, and if it was in Mandy's house, <laughs> it would be gone because it's got dust on it. Yeah, that'd be right. <laughs> Plain and simple. <laughs> Out of here. <laughs> but Suzanne, as a whole, I mean, you got that. You, I bet that as a person, you, you've you've said, I don't need to be this way. I bet that helps everywhere. Yes, Tony, as a person, I have told myself, <laughs> I don't need to be this way. You're welcome. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> Love you too, brother. 
Hey, look at it like this. How many coffee cups you got? Do they compare to the um, board games? I thanks to the generosity of the board gaming community and all my friends there, and I have a lot of Starbucks. <laughs> you are there collection mugs. Do you and have one I, from Hawaii? I enjoy them. I do. Okay. I got them from everywhere, brother. Except Ottawa. Except Ottawa. <laughs> that's true. Come on, Mandy. You gotta you gotta help me fill a gap. I'll be I'll And that's actually speaking of filling a gap, that's actually my the kind of the third big criteria I have is I realize that for a variety of reasons, I have a lot of games in my collection that overlap thematically or overlap kind of in their core mechanisms. And so I kind of took a look at my collection and thought, okay, do I have another game that does similar things better than this game does? I mean, maybe there's something about that. Maybe I like Maybe I love the mechanisms, but there's another game that does something similar with a better theme or vice versa. And so I kind of took a look at my collection and thought, okay, I want to, if I want to have this really holistic, beautiful collection, but there are pieces of it that kind of overlap a little bit, maybe I should look at and compare those against each other and then lose the one that, you know, it falls a little bit under. It's funny you say that because I do the same thing. I try and have a diverse collection where we're not having things overlapping and exactly what you said. I don't want doubles of a game. One's a bit better than the other. I just get rid of the one that maybe doesn't do it as well. So Tony, you ready to go through your flow chart? No, not ready. I'd rather you go. All right. Because I want y'all to be able to build it up and abuse me at the end. I think that's best. Oh my gosh. He must have something really big here. Is there going to be a PowerPoint presentation? I can. Okay, cool. <laughs> I can do PowerPoint. I, I was impressed with Suzanne with her with her OneNote. You know, we just now got that, and that's an amazing tool. Uh-huh. Age of technology, baby. <laughs> and see see how well I just squirreled everybody, and everybody lost track on that right there. <laughs> I, know, like, I started going, my, what? Where are we going with this? So, yeah, Marty, <laughs> tell us, what does it take? Now, I have seen your collection, and I know all the games, and I will go back to Suzanne with a question about her rolling rights. But anyway... To you, sir. How what? do you manage? How in the world do you segue from? I know all your games. I'm gonna ask a question, uh, Sam, about write and roll. That's the new term, write and roll. Right and no, roll. no, it's not. Because she has okay. write and roll. Well, I'll go ahead and roll, baby. I'll go ahead and ask Suzanne right now. Of how how do you get rid of those? Because they're so small. What about the small games versus the big games? You don't. I mean, I that's that's ridiculous. Why would I ever get rid of a small roll and write? That's the most offensive thing you've ever said to me, Tony. <laughs> no, wait. You wanted to get rid of 21, right? No, nice try, Mandy. Nice try. Uh-uh, girl, it's mine. <laughs> no, I, I I, think Tony brings up a good point. It's like, size does matter. Um, and so, yeah, if a game's small and, and, you know, depending on the storage situation, it's not a big deal. But Roland writes, worst, absolute worst case scenario, I laminate a bunch of these score sheets and they all fit in like a little file folder or a big like plastic envelope. Throw the extra dice in there and I'm good to go. Takes up like no space at all. So I never, ever, ever have to worry about culling a rolling right. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm with you there. That's there where go. I'm at. That's what, what you need to do. Now, if they'd all come together and make sure that the dice are all equally balanced, I, you know, you could just use the same six or seven dice, whatever you need, and you're good to go. And you can just, like you said, pull out the lemonade sheets and you're good. Exactly. Keep sending those to me, those ideas, because every time you post one, I am, I'm, I'm looking for it. I'm like, okay, I got to get this one. I got to get this one. <laughs> My then, pleasure. I love, I love spreading the good word of the roll and write. Write and roll, baby. Write and roll. No, 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 no. Stop it. So, Marty, how do you call your shelves? <laughs> okay, here we go. I have three criteria. If I answer eh, yeah, yes, whatever that it means, if I answer yes to any of the following questions, I do not get rid of this game. Okay. Number one, have I played it recently? And recently, I mean within the past year. 
If I have not, we continue down the list. Is it unique in any way compared to other game that you have? And we talked, y'all talked about that earlier with, you know, is it have mechanics like some other games that I have? And if the answer is no, it's not unique. I've got other games like that. Then we continue to the third item. Does it have sentimental value? And if it does not have sentimental value, then I will get rid of that game. So there we go. If I have not played it recently, it, if it is not unique to other stuff that I already have in my collection and it has no sentimental value. And for example, like uh, number n- number three is I still have Catan. I'll never get rid of it, even though I never play it. And it's not really unique anymore. It's just because that that's one of the first family games I got. Starcraft, Tony. I will never, ever, ever get rid of that game, even if we never hits the table again, just because of sentimental value it has there. So a lot of my stuff is stays around simply for sentimental value. And as far as the uniqueness, let's, you know, I will never get rid of something like Terra Mystica because me, that's kind of a very unique game. So I would keep it for that reason. Or like we just reviewed Vast, you know, I'm not going to get rid of Vast unless something else comes out that, you know, is kind of in the same genre of a totally asymmetric game. There you go. My three criteria right there. Yes to any one of those answers. The game stays in my collection. That was a very clean list. It was. I'm impressed. Mine was all over the place. His was concise and to the point. I'm a little jealous. Yours was clean, Manny. What do you mean? It's got <laughs> dust. It, it's gone. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> that, that's pretty straightforward. That's a lot easier than mine. One checkbox. Is there dust? Yes, gone. <laughs> Although I like, I, I think the sentimentality is, is, is an oddly strong point, uh, you know, because it's funny. I mean... That's this one of the most special things about board gaming as a hobby is that it is an interpersonal activity. And you're sitting down around a table with friends and family and you're sharing an experience. And so those things, those memories, those moments, they do have value. And you do end up connecting them to this object that you all sat around. So while you don't want it to bog you down and, and overly attach you to a thing, I do think that there's value in being able to look at something and have it be kind of a physical reminder of those special moments that you have with people that you love. And and so um, I definitely have some sentimental uh, favorites in my collection too, and and I'm I'm glad that they're still there, even though they're mm-hmm. dusty, Mandy. I'm sorry. Well, what was, I can't <laughs> help it that I'm a clean freak. But wait, what's an example, Suzanne? And then go, Mandy. Okay, an example of of a of a game that that has dust. No, sentimental. You know, Command and Colors Ancient is of all things. Commands and Colors Ancients is a game I will never get rid of. But between the the memory of stickering all those darn squares with a friend, like just. It took us forever to sticker this darn game. And then really having that game be something that introduced me back into that kind of mechanism with the cards and the, and I remember that play and it, it, it's very meaningful to me for a variety of reasons. So I'm never going to get rid of it. I honestly never want to play it again, but I'm never going to get rid of it. There you go. And what were you saying, Mandy? I was just going to say it could be like, that's a, good reason but then there are also some bad reasons tied to games so for example um you know you have a breakup and i'm not talking from personal experience ha um (laughs) that certainly sounds personal let's say there was this guy who was a total jerk and he broke up with me And there's this game that reminds me of him, but that's not self-anecdotal or anything no. like that. That's just hypothetical. Okay, it's actually like six games, but that's not the point. So <laughs> <laughs> I personally don't want to see them, or I mean, the friend does not want to see them, so they're gone. 
you know? So just say it. <laughs> Fair enough. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah, they That's got personal. Uh, so that dust and bad memories. Got it. Yeah. All right. Those are good. <laughs> See, there was a second criteria. We knew we could find one. <laughs> dust, bad breakup. Gone. <laughs> it's out of here. Oh, goodness. All right. All right. So here we go for the best. Now, they're going to give me grief, and I'm showing them, for those of you who are listening, I am showing them the flow chart. There it is. I don't know <laughs> oh, if they can. Oh, yeah, it sure is. It is. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so we've got a flow chart here. You've got to share that on the blog post. Oh, I will. I've got a PDF and everything, and it's and thank you, Vizia. So, but it's, it's very similar to y'all's. I mean, and all, by the way, Mandy. Squirrel. Um, y'all's. Since you're from Canada, just want to make sure you take a brace that embrace that term, y'all. So it's like okay. you all, y'all. y'all. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and if you do all y'all, yeah. that's everybody. Okay. Y'alls could exclude people, as in you y'all come here and there's like ten of you, only five of you are supposed to. So come. y'alls can be plural. Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. I got it. <laughs> and by the way, Marty and I do not have strong Southern accents. We do not. Oh. We do not have strong Southern accents. Okay. I'll go with that. I know. I know that is a shock to anybody that's listening here, but I'm telling you right now, Tony and I, especially Tony, do not have strong Southern accents. Okay. We'll have some guests on sometime, Tony. We'll have some people on and we'll show them. Here's the Southern accent. There you go. So anyway, it starts out just like Mandy's. Has the game been played? Now, I don't put the dust element in there. But has the game been played? And if I answer no, then the game, then it goes, keep the game. Because I don't know if I would like the gamer yet. So I can't get rid of something I haven't played yet. You follow me? So that's the first decision point. If it answers yes, has been played this year. Well, okay. Let's say it has not. Will it get played? Well, let's say that it won't get played. But is it a classic? Now I've gone to Marty's, number three, sentimental value. Then I'll keep the game. All right. If I um, say, will it get played? Then yes, of course I'm going to play it. But say I haven't played it in a year and sorry, I lost my, I lost my chart. I lost my, my flow chart there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Has it been played in a year? Yes, it has. Was it enjoyable? Well, if I answer no, then we go into the get rid of, can it be traded or sold? If it can be traded, it gets traded. If not, then it gets given to a charity. So that's how it goes. So the only way to get out of my collection is if it was unenjoyable for me. So that's the essential way for me to get it culled. Now, was it enjoyable? And I say yes, but did Donna enjoy it, which is my wife, Mandy? Mm -hmm. No. Then there she goes. There's another way out of the collection. Okay. So we have multiple paths to this. And that is how I call a game. I go through this flowchart decision, have the various touch points. Basically, if I don't enjoy it, yeah, it's out of here. Even if I haven't played it in a while or whatever, I'll probably keep it until I do get the touch point of, is it enjoyable? And that's it. It's real simple. Is it enjoyable to me? And if so, I'll keep it. <laughs> well, that was real simple. <laughs> <laughs> that whole term. No, 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 no. Dust on a game and bad breakup is really simple. That was pretty complicated. <laughs> I just get right to it, you know. I like how it's so simple. You lost your, you lost track of where you were on your own flowchart. It's so simple. That was just because I lost my train of thought, which is often. That's often. Don't worry about that. So yeah, that's that's it for me for calling the game. And I gotta admit, you know, I need to do that again. Need to get, I need to get these things out of here. 
Oh, I'm I'm in the same boat. Last night I cleaned up and uh, I kind of collected all the games together and realized, geez, here we go again. Here's a stack of games. I've got no place to put them. And I'm kind of in the uh, same boat as you, Tony. In fact, uh, there is a a game store here today having what is really cool. It's a yard sale. People can come out and set up their games on tables to sell. And the the store gets like a little bit of a cut. It's like a little consignment shop for one day. Great idea. And I I wish I could have done it. I wish I had had enough forethought to get all these things together, go out there and get rid of them. Because I've got to go through this list again. It's just getting crazy. But you guys have a lot of games, no? Like, I only have like 250 games. You guys have like 600. No, I don't. I have oh, uh, don't? about 120. Oh, okay. I have 120. Oh, all right. I think I got Marty. <laughs> I got no, Marty. Quite Marty's been right now. <laughs> Wait a minute. I see now this partnership is not working the way it's supposed to. <laughs> I think it's working really well. <laughs> exactly. For whom? <laughs> I mean, I'm actually already stressing out over Rising Sun. I'm, Squirrel! I'm kind of getting to the point where there's too much stuff now, including with Rising Sun. Stop. I will never, ever open all those miniatures that's going to come with the Kickstarter now. I never will. I almost want to say, look, can I save like 25 bucks and just give me the base game and the plastic <laughs> upgrades and keep all the miniatures? Because I'll never use them. <laughs> Yeah, but that's the thing with with Simon Games. You, you get it all, Marty, and then there will be somebody who wants to take the things you don't want in that game. They will take it off your hands at a later time. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. Because I just got uh, we backed uh, Roman Bones Second Tide, and we got the base game, played it, loved it. Well, I didn't realize there was a second shipment that included all the Kickstarter stuff, and there's like six more boxes of like twenty to twenty five additional heroes. I'm like, I'll never use these <laughs> oh, ever. Wow. And somebody will gladly, gladly take them off your hands. Yeah, that's true. And there is an easy collection call. Ah, there you go. Exactly. Sorry, that was my little score moment. Go ahead, Tony. Oh, okay. All right. So so let's just sum this up before we go squirreling somewhere else. If it's got dust, it's gone. (laughs) Yes. Number one priority. Number one priority. If it's sentimental, it stays. Unless it's unless it's with Mandy, which has bad sentimental value, right. then it's gone. Yes. But for you, it stays. For Suzanne, it's just going to sit there. And for me, <laughs> I'll never figure out what to do with it because I'll get lost in my flow chart. Nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. We are have helped the masses on figuring out how they are going to cull their game collection now. By the way, if there's any that you don't want, by all means, contact me and I'll be happy to help you. <laughs> oh my gosh, we just went through a whole segment on how to get rid of games and you're asking for games? Well, it sounds like you're going to get rid of some of the games I want. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely that's, that's, done. That, that's, that's, that's true. <laughs> Here's the thing. We probably missed something. So uh, if you want to, we can go out to our guild under our post on this episode and let us know some of the reasons why you decide keep to get our get rid of games. Are there ones different than what we mentioned besides dust and sentimental value? I'll never forget that. Is it? <laughs> now I'm going to go downstairs, look at my collection. That's got dust. Do the finger test. According yes. to Mandy's test, that sucker's gone. <laughs> Exactly. We, everybody is. We all are. I'm, I'm I'm looking at it right now. I'm thinking, oh, that's gone. That's gone. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> I criteria. I'm liking it. And meanwhile, Suzanne's just going straight to Ikea. Yeah. I'm getting another shelf. That's it. Exactly. Like, I don't know why you skipped over that. Like, you kind of dismissed that as an option when it's the obvious answer. Because it's Ikea. I can't stand going into Ikea. Oh, my God. I, me, I, too. I, I hate it. It's 
horrible. You just have to plan ahead. So you here's the deal. Squirrel! You, you, you get a backpack. You fill it with some goldfish <laughs> crackers, a juice box, a water bottle, okay, some granola bars. To, if you have the right kind of backpack, you can strap things to it. Get one of those little foldable stools that, like, collapses. Strap that to the back of it, right? Little fan, held-held battery fan that you can, you know, swoosh yourself off as you get overheated. <laughs> You're good to go. You can you could stay in IKEA all day and make it a much more pleasant experience. The boys are uh, going through and we're watching the show Thirty Rock, uh, which ended a few years ago. And there was an episode where there was a relationship test where if you could go into an IKEA and spend all day with your partner and come out and still be okay at the end, then you're meant to be together. Uh, that's a good. It that's was a good test. So funny! Oh my gosh, it was such a funny episode. Uh, anyway, sorry. That's that's another sidetrack. <laughs> I've I've never had an issue. I don't understand. Uh, you're a liar. You can't make your way through your own flow chart. I know. <laughs> oh! Wow. Oh! <laughs> I heard but, that. I mean, why, why do you even follow the thing? I just cut through where it says employees only. Screw that. Here I go. <laughs> I'm right where I need to be. <laughs> Who needs rules? <laughs> Who needs rules? Where's the, where's the meatball? I'm ready to That's go. it. I'm going straight to the meatballs and cinnamon buns. <laughs> there you go. Soft serve ice cream. I'm golden. Let's go. Let's move. So, well, we really appreciate Chit Chat being resurrected. Thank you so much for coming on, ladies. We, we, Marty and I have been so excited about this. Uh, yes, we have. We have been wanting to get this segment back. We get a lot of requests for this. We really do. We was like, uh, when you guys gonna have Chit Chat again? Because we're really sick of hearing from you. So we said, (laughs) okay, fine, we'll do something. So. And then, and then it was like looking for somebody else to come in and sit uh, with us and Suzanne and. uh, and, and Mandy, you, you seem like a, uh, a great fit. You give us some now great stories with the, I'll never forget the dust thing now. And, um, dust and breakups, don't forget it. I can't wait to learn more from you as we dig more into your thought process and how, you, uh, how your brain works. That is a tangled web, my friend. Oh. <laughs> of course, I'm sitting here or doing this uh, uh, video or, or we're doing this interview over Google Chat and she's wearing a onesie this whole time. It's a unicorn onesie and... Uh, so that's kind of distracting in itself. So. <laughs> wait, wait. You didn't mention the brass bed from like 1989 in the background. <laughs> oh, that's true. But at least you're, it's all made up and everything with nice pillows and stuff on it. It's like, uh, don't go look at mine right now. <laughs> so elegant. That's unreal. All right. Before we let you go, I do want to ask you a real quick one. What's a game that you played recently that everybody needs to go try? You don't need to explain it and all that. Just give me the name of a game. Go. Role player. I want to play that. I want to try that. Me too. Uh, It's good. I have one. Manhattan Project, Energy Empire. Love it, love it, love it. I like to try that one too. Well, get them so I can try them. (laughs) Won't you go get something? I'm finding out now that I'm the one getting all the games. You go buy a game, dang it. (laughs) The term is leech. Parasite. Okay, that too. I'll, I'll accept that. <laughs> All right, before we go, if people want to follow you on social medias and whatnot, where can we find you, Mandy? Oh, good Lord. Okay, well, I'm on the Twitter, Board Gamer Pinup, on Instagram, Board Gaming Pinup. I'm on YouTube, and you could also see me on the Dice Tower. On Twitter, I am 425Suzanne. And on BGG, I am Gibbous. You can uh, look what up, <laughs> look up what 
that means. It's not a tropical monkey. <laughs> uh, and uh, you can always see me also on uh, the Dice Tower videos as well. And they just released all of our interviews at Gamma live with different publishers. So you should check those out because we got lots of good scoop for everybody. What is the monkey? Is it a Gibbons? Gibbons. Gibbon, Gibbon, yeah. Gibbon, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gibbons is the monkey. Okay. Because when you said that's like, yeah, it is. It's like, no, wait, no, no, it's not. It's Gibbons. <laughs> Uh, and Marty, I do want to mention uh, Mandy is also a contributor to our favorite, uh, what is it, Friday favorite game or what's that? What? Favorite game Friday. There you go. So you be sure to check that because you'll see Mandy and then skip my part and you can see the rest of it. <laughs> what, was it really minus 25 degrees when you filmed that one thing? I, like I wasn't joking. It was minus 25. It oh was my. freezing. Did you not see how red my nose was? <laughs> it was awful. That's less than freezing. That's way less than freezing. <laughs> Yeah, that's Celsius, by the way. <laughs> Minus 25. Ugh, no, no, no. It's going to yeah. be 70 here today. I'm, I'm happy with no, that. No, I hate all of you. That's awful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, thanks once again. We can't wait to have you back on in the future. Oh, thank you, thank guys. You. Thank you so much. Five-minute initiative begins in three, two. For anybody who's listened to this show, they know that we love our card games, and we especially like trick-taking games. That's why we were so big on games like Diamonds. Recently, Tony and I got to play a brand new game from designer Robert Burke, who is local to our area here and published by Quick Simple Fun Games. The game is called Moons. In this game, you're actually trying to collect planet tokens from either Saturn, Jupiter, Neptune, or Uranus. And that actually represents the different suits of the cards. There's four different suits ranging with cards ranging from 1 to 14. Like a normal trick-taking games, somebody's going to lead a suit. Everybody must follow suit. And at the end, if everybody's played a card, the person with the highest number takes the trick. But here's the difference. You don't get the token of the trick that was won. At the beginning of the round, when all the cards are dealt out, you'll take three cards from your hand and put them on the table in front of you. That could be a three different planets, uh, any combination that you want. When you win a trick, you get one of the tokens of the card in front of you. And the goal is, over the course of the game, is to create combinations. You get a set of one of each, you're going to get 10 victory points. If you get three or more of matching kind, you're going to get uh, two victory points per. So the whole goal is to collect sets of tokens during the game. And to select which tokens you can get is by those cards you place at the beginning. Unless, and here's the other cool mechanic, Tony, that you both and I both liked. If you can't follow suit of a card that was played, you can play it an offsuit. And after everybody's played, the person with the lowest offsuit gets that token of the lowest offsuit card they played. Tony, this is a really cool little game with a twist. Yeah, I agree with you. It's kind of fun. I like the fact that you're not going to be out there stealing. A, I mean, uh, don't okay, don't get me wrong, peep. I love diamonds. I always have, always will enjoy playing diamonds. Even though we got our SmackDown a uh, couple Origins ago, I mean, BGG Con ago, but that's okay. I'm sorry, I'm reliving that. But... This is really neat because you're not really being vindictive to other people. You're not saying, I won't steal your diamonds or I won't steal these diamonds. You're taking from a central pool. I really like that aspect of it, unless you play those little asteroid cards and then you will take from them. There's strategy in there too. That's sneaky strategy because you need to be able to break up people's combos or their various multis so that they do not score that many points. So you really got to look at that strategy. So I like that. I really enjoy the mechanic of the, like you said, the offsuit. 
that's a very important because you've got to think about how you're going to short suit yourself, which cards you're going to put down. All that comes into play. So everything that you enjoy about a card game without Trump. So I, I like that. I like the fact that you have an asteroid card does not mean that you know, there's asteroid cards. You get to draw another little asteroid small card. Yes, I'm happy I bought that game. I'm excited, especially because it plays up to six players, which is another reason I enjoy Diamond so much. So for me, Marty, even though I have a ton of card games and you have a ton of card games, I had to add it to the collection. Oh, I, I couldn't <laughs> resist, dude. Yeah, you talked about the asteroid cards. There's four asteroid cards uh, uh, in each uh, in the deck. And when you play an asteroid card, you get to draw one of the small asteroid cards that you can play on your turn. And they could do various things. One is it's just straight victory points. Another is maybe you steal a token or a planet token from somebody else. Or maybe you steal one of the cards that's laid down in front of a person and take that uh, yourself. So the asteroid cards are the kind of the, ooh, gotcha sort of deal where you can like do something that somebody wasn't expecting. And it's also like an in-game condition. Because Tony, one time when we played, I flipped over a victory point card that basically helped me win the game and you guys had no clue that I had it uh, until the very end. So the asteroid cards is another nice little twist, but the strategy in the game is so different because again, it's not what trick you win. It's just the fact that you won a trick. Then you get to decide what token you're going to get based on the very first three cards that you played at the beginning of the round. And the the game goes until after everybody has dealt a hand of cards and you count up the points at the end, person the most points wins. Yeah. And I mean, there's the block card in the asteroids to keep people from taking from you. So you're right. I mean, the game ends when everybody dealt or you run out of tokens. Real simple. So when this game hits the store shelves and you, if you enjoy diamonds, I highly recommend you give this one a try. Oh, the artwork. That's the other thing that got it for me. And all the little facts about the moons. Oh, Robert, excellent job right there. I, why did you not let us play test this, Robert? I don't understand. <laughs> what, what was wrong with you, dude? It is a very good trick-taking game. I very much enjoy it. And if you like trick-taking games, I definitely think it's something you should consider, too. Five-minute initiative is complete. The Broken Token is proud to announce a brand new insert for the game, Flashpoint. The insert comes in two different flavors. There's the Fire Rescue Game Crate, which is a solution that stores all the expansions into to one kit. But there's also the First Responder Edition. This is a nice looking edition with a stained box and it's embossed. It's just top of the line premium, but it is a limited edition. So if you're interested, you want to go out and get that one now. And if you want to add some acrylic tokens to your game and make it even more attractive, they also have smoke and fire tokens. You can check out the tokens plus the inserts over at thebrokentoken.com. All right. From Chit Chat, we all learned you can't invite Mandy over if you got dust on your games or they're going to be on the street. That, that floors me. That floored me. <laughs> That'd be funny. If, I get to see you just walk into somebody's house. Gone, 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 gone. Oh, this reminds me of Bob. Hated Bob. Gone. <laughs> oh, my heavens. Well, please let us know if you want us to keep the chit chat. Okay. For, forget it. The chit chat segment is here. People We're gonna bring them <laughs> back on. Uh, if you have any topics that you would love for the four of us to discuss, please uh, round board games would be nice. 
um, or whatever, <laughs> you know. Yeah, please don't like come on say relationship questions or anything like that. Uh, those two could probably handle that, but you don't want that from me. I know that. Yeah, there's a reason why we've been married for 25 years because a we found women who could put up with us, and b <laughs> we love them to death. So anyway, um, but please send them into our BGG Guild uh, 1589, or post them on our Facebook page, or tweet them to Marty at Dyson Names, or Instagram doesn't allow you to do anything. That's why I picked it. So anyway, you can do all that good stuff. We'd love to hear some ideas that you'd love for us to discuss. Now, I don't know if you saw this, Marty, but it came out on ICV2. I'm thinking about spending some money and picking up Star Trek Frontiers just because they're going to release an expansion that has gone. <laughs> oh, it's so tempting. Oh, how about this? That's fine if you go get that, but we can't play it until we play Star Trek Ascendancy. And can you imagine it's going to make Frontiers five player frontiers is already a long game five oh my heavens and i gotta mention this we reviewed vast on the last show did you see vast in space are you saying that's what you want or has that been teased somewhere that's been teased leader games teased it i did not know that well go check it out you'll be all over vast in space or if you want more information and you want to listen to me again, be sure to check out the conversation Sean and I had on Dukes of Dice. Episode 138 just released at the same time as the, or this week as well, the same time as Rolling Dice and Taking Aim. He and I talk about it. So, yes, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Could you imagine the possibilities there? Aliens trying to kill astronauts to trying to kill. And then there's a black hole trying to crush your ship in or something. I don't know what they're going to do. But, man, there are so many possibilities. And, yes, I would be all over that. That sounds uh, really exciting. Great episode. Okay, I think it was a pretty cool episode. Anytime we have exciting guests like we had with uh, Suzanne and Mandy, I always have fun. And we got to play some really cool games. Um, Assault of the Giants really blew me away more than I was expecting it to because I didn't realize I had that card play mechanic. I can't wait to get that to the table again. Tony, like you said in our review, when you walk away from a game and you continue thinking about it the next, the rest of the night and the next day, I think it's one that uh, you probably really liked. I tell you what, we need to wrap this up so I can get over to your house, so I can pick up a game tonight, so I can have it ready for game night. So keep rolling dice. And taking names. Follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names. Instagram, Dyson Names. Join our BGG Guild 1589 and like us on Facebook. Make sure to join us in our next episode when we review Ethnos and Unfair from CMON. And by the way, I don't care how much dust is on roll for the galaxy, you ain't getting rid of it. Three, two, one. Well, Marty. Hold on, stop. Stop. <laughs> Sorry, my daughter walked into the room and I had to talk to her. I saw your eyes divert. I'm like, what's going on? Yeah, sorry, my daughter walked in. <laughs> Mommy, the TV isn't working. Okay, honey, I'm sorry. Funagain.com. They've got a whole bunch of games that have come in and been restocked. Notably, 
terraforming Mars. You better hurry over there if you're interested in that game. We know Steven has been printing money with this game. Everybody loves it. It's got an expansion coming out, so you might as well go ahead over to funagain.com and pick up one. They also got in a copy of Viticulture as well as a ton of the Broken Token inserts. If you want to go over to that store and pick it up instead of the Broken Token, because you need to hit $100 to get that free shipping. So once again, funagain.com. <laughs> 